0: So we are in our last week of At The Movies, and if you're here and you're like, can we do this? We can do this. We like to have fun around Grace Church, looking at different cultural highlights that give us spiritual insights. So we chose four movies that have some great stories behind them, have some fun stories behind them, and we're looking at the gospel theme or the Jesus theme that runs through them all We say this, there's three reasons why we like to do a series like this. The first is because we get to see the creativity of God on display. When you look at a story or a film, you get to see the creativity of God through humans that he created, telling a story that sometimes points to him. The second thing is this, in all of these movies, we are going to look at the gospel of God on display. Every single one of these movies has a theme that draws us into the gospel, and we're going to make note of it in each of our times together. And then lastly, I think it is a fabulous discipleship conversation. If you're a parent in the room or you have kids in your house, grandkids, it gives you a step forward on maybe interacting through movies or films or arts or music in our culture, finding ways to incorporate conversations about Jesus inside of it. And so we provide a series Guide little family guide in the back, it's a little half sheet of paper, just has some questions, some activities, some things that you can dive into as a family. If you've missed the first three weeks, go back online. We have a podcast. You can listen through all of them and want, or uh, take a, a look at what we were talking about the first three weeks. Today, we are in the midst of the last one, where we're going to look at Spider-Man Far From Home, okay? How many of you are Marvel fans in the room? Yeah, Marvel fans. How many of you love Spider-Man in particular? Okay, I got some Spider-Man fans. Yeah, Spider-Man, I am not a Marvel fan, but if I was a Marvel fan, if I was an avid Marvel fan, Spider-Man would be my favorite because it's just something like fun, teenage about Spider-Man. You just like feel good when you're around him. So we're going to take a look at the trailer at Spider-Man Far From Home, and then we're going to jump into the conversation.
1: Everywhere I go, I see his face. I just really miss him. Yeah, I miss him too. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were gonna be here after he was gone. You gonna be the next Iron Man now? Well, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy doing your jobs. What? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Look, keep up the good work. Because I am going on vacation. (laughs)
0: Up. Nick Fury's calling
1: you. I don't really want to talk to Nick Dance
0: Fury.
1: Why? Because if you don't talk to him, then I have to talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. You sent Nick Fury to voicemail? I gotta go. You do not ghost Nick Fury! What up, Darks? What's up? We're just talking about the trip. I'm here in St. Marco Polo's. Oh, I think MJ really likes me. That reminds me when I My first fell alone. You're a very difficult person to contact, Spider-Man. This is Mr. Beck. We could've used someone like you on my world? New world? Beck is from Earth, just not ours. A snap to our hole in our dimension. You're saying there's a multiverse? We have a job to do, and you're coming with us. There's gotta be someone else you can use. What about Thor? Off-world. Captain Marvel? Unavailable. I'm just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man.
0: What do you want, Peter?
1: I want to go back on my
0: trip with the girl who I really like and tell her how I feel.
1: MJ, I, I am Spider-Man. No, of course I'm not. I mean it's kind of obvious.
0: You're right, you may not be ready, but this is my responsibility. Saving the world requires sacrifice. Sometimes people die.
1: Oh my god. It's always feel like I'm putting my friends in danger. The world needs the next Iron Man. Are you going to step up or not?
0: I gotta get you guys out of
1: here. Get on the jet. Who are you? I work with Spider-Man. You work for Spider-Man? I work with Spider-Man, not for Spider-Man. New plan.
0: Everywhere I go, So I Spider-Man or Peter Parker is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He's back, right? And let me just kind of, because this movie takes place in a series of movies. And I'm not a Marvel uh, fanatic or a Marvel nerd, and so you're going to have to bear with me because I'm going to try to inform you all on what is happening here inside of this movie because some of you just watched that and you're like, it's just a lot of explosions and Spider-Man is flying around. And yes, that happens a lot, and that's what makes the movie awesome. But there is a storyline, okay? Here's here's the storyline in a super condensed nutshell form, okay? If you've watched any sort of Marvel movie, you know that there's different superheroes and they all come together as the Avengers. And there's two movies that come before Spider-Man Far From Home. Spider-Man, or I mean Avengers Infinity War, and then Avengers Endgame. In Avengers Infinity War, the bad guy Thanos basically eliminates half of the world's population. Okay, spoiler alert if you haven't watched it yet, right? But here's, here's what happens, okay? In, in Avengers Endgame... Right, the superheroes, the Marvel Avengers, they figure out a way to get the world that disappeared, the 50 percent that disappeared, back, but it came at the cost of Iron Man. Super spoiler alert. Okay, sorry about that all. Okay, Iron Man is no longer right, and so as as this movie comes onto the scene, Spider Man: Far From Home, it comes post Infinity War, it comes post End Game. And the 50% of people that disappeared, right, five years later came back, and now they're back. And Peter Parker is in high school, and their high school is getting adjusted to having all these kids that didn't age over the past five years back into the population. And Peter Parker is wrestling not with just that as a high school student, trying to figure out what's going on, what to do with this all, but Peter Parker saw Iron Man or Tony Stark as a mentor. And so when Iron Man doesn't return and he gave his life for the mission of the rest of the world population, Peter Parker is devastated and he's wondering how he's going to navigate this. And if you watch the movie, in particular the opening scenes, you see that Iron Man's face is plastered around everywhere you go Right? People are mourning the loss, but Peter Parker, Spider-Man in particular, he's really wrestling with what's going on. And in lieu of all this taking place, Peter and his, his classmates are going to take a trip to Europe. Right? I don't know if any, any of you in high school had that Europe trip or that New York trip. It's one of those. right? They call it a science trip so they can get you across the, the world. right? They're going to Europe, and Peter is so excited. Because maybe for the first time, he doesn't have to be a superhero. Maybe he can just be Peter Parker on this Europe trip with his classmates, and he can get a vacation. And he has a plan, and he wants the plan to go as expected. But what we're going to learn today is this. Through Peter Parker's adventure, we're going to learn that we have to plan for the unexpected. And when we talk about following Jesus... It rings the same tone. That as you follow Jesus, not just that, but as you live life, let's just start there. You have to plan for the unexpected. But what does it look like to follow Jesus into the unexpected? Follow Jesus into the unplanned. Follow Jesus in the moments that don't make sense, in the moments that didn't go as planned, the moments that didn't play out the way I thought they were going to play out. What does it look like to follow Jesus and how does he invite us into That. Because here's what we see in the movie Peter Parker, not only is he excited to get away on vacation to Europe, but he also has a friend that he would like to make more than just a friend. Her name is MJ. And Peter believes that this European vacation, this trip to Europe with his classmates, that MJ is on, is going to be the golden ticket to him being able to share his feelings and maybe quite possibly she will share hers with him. Take a look at Peter planning this out.
1: I have a plan. Okay, first, I'm gonna sit next to MJ on the flight. Mm-hmm. Second, I'm gonna buy a dual headphone adapter and watch movies with her the whole time. Okay. Three. When we go to Venice, Venice is super famous for making stuff out of glass, right? True. So I'm gonna buy her a black Dahlia necklace because her favorite flower is the black Dahlia because of, well... The murder. The murder. Four. When we go to Paris, I'm gonna take her to the top of the Eiffel Tower, give her the necklace, oh, and then five, I'm gonna tell her how I feel. And then six, hopefully she tells me she feels the same way. Oh, don't forget step seven. Step seven? Don't do any of that. Why?
0: Because we're gonna be bachelors in Europe, Peter?
1: Ned. Look, I may not know much, but I do know this. Europeans love Americans. Really? And more than half of them are women. Okay, sure, but I really like MJ, man, okay? She's awesome, she's super funny in a kind of dark way, and sometimes I catch her looking at me and I feel like I've stood up way too, she's coming up, <sighs> just don't say What up, dorks? Excited about the science trip? Hey, uh, yeah, we're just talking about the trip. Yeah, and Peter's plan. You have a plan? I don't... I don't have a plan. No, he's he's just gonna collect tiny spoons when we're traveling to other countries. Like a, like a grandmother? I'm not collecting tiny spoons. He's collecting tiny spoons. Oh, okay. Well... That was a real roller coaster. <laughs> By the way, travel tip, you should probably download a VPN on your phone just so that the government can't track you while we're abroad. Smart. Will do. <laughs> oh. I think that went really great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Peter has it all planned out, right? He knows exactly what he's going to do. He's going on this vacation with his classmates. He's going to get this special necklace. He's going to go to the Eiffel Tower with MJ. He's going to share his feelings, what could go wrong, right? He has this all planned out. And, and what's funny is this, is that scene depicts our life sometimes, right? You sit down and you plan out what is going to happen, and and you put everything in play, and you plan it out accordingly, what could go wrong? Because here's what's interesting. Plans create expectations, right? Plans are not bad. I, I am a planner. You ask my wife, you ask my staff, it's ridiculous. I plan and get frustrated When the plans don't go the way I want them to go. So this sermon is for me. And then you get to listen in, right? The plan creates expectations. Anytime you plan something, you create expectations. You plan the family vacation. There's expectations that it's going to go smooth. It's going to go well. It's going to go flawless. It's going to be awesome. You're going to sit on the beach. Nothing bad's going to happen, right? Plans create expectations, but here's the reality. Here's the reality. How many times how many times do those plans don't go the way we think they're going to go and wreck our expectations? Plans create expectations, and in life, we create plans that create those expectations on how life is supposed to go. And so when I lean into my life, there are times that I create expectations around certain things. Maybe for you, there are expectations about how your life would go to this point. Maybe for you, it, it wasn't just life as an umbrella, but maybe you had expectations about how your career would go at this point and what your career would look like and what it would feel like and what it would bring to you. Maybe for others, you've created expectations around your marriage, what marriage is supposed to be like, what it's supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to bring to the table. Maybe for others of us, it's family life. You expectations about what family would look like, what that circle would be for our house. Maybe for others, it would be school or extracurriculars or that sports. Create expectations around how that would play out for you. And I've heard it said this way. Expectations are premeditated disappointments. Expectations are premeditated disappointments. Plans and expectations don't always match up to reality. Expectations bring disappointment when they aren't fulfilled. Just think about the scene we watched and put yourself in Peter's shoes. Maybe not with MJ in particular, but just inside of a plan. You sit there maybe in life and you have created a plan that's created an expectation that all of a sudden brings a disappointment. What does that feel like for you? Because I think in human nature, we are bent in such a way to lean towards expectations and experience that we want everything to go as we planned it. We want everything to be what we planned it to be. The expectations and experience of our life are king sometimes. And in the world that we live in, We can fight that battle all the time. We can push against plans not going the way that I wanted them to go. We can push against the expectations I had. We push into trying to bubble everything so that everything goes as I planned them to go. You might be like, well, how do you know that? How do you know that we are bent to want to create everything in such a way that it goes the way I want to go, well, just listen to your prayers. Where's your money spent? Where's your calendar at? What your relationships look like? Where's your money at? Your time? We want everything to go as planned or as closely as possible. And we will invest time, money, energies, prayers even for the sake of that. But what if... And just what if, just humor me today, what if in the unexpected and the unplanned, what if that's where God works the most? And some of you are laughing right now because you're like, that's where he's only works, right? You're like, my life has been that. But what if, in a world that tries to bubble expectations and create safety plans and have backup plans and make sure my plan goes the way it's supposed to go, that God enters into the unexpected and unplanned in some unique ways that you and I have really no control over outside of following him into and following him through. Because that's what we're going to look at today. Because it's kind of an oxymoron to plan for the unexpected, right? Maybe for some of us it isn't. But in some ways, you can't plan for it. But I wonder if God wants to invite us into what does it look like to have a relationship with him in such a way that we are able to run into the unexpected following after him. What's interesting about this movie is very quickly, after Peter launches into the air in an airplane traveling to Europe lands, they get settled in a less than par hotel in Venice, Italy, right? where where all really good experiences are going to be had, they're going to travel, they're going to see sights, all that stuff. And what's interesting is as you watch the scene play out and they're traveling through Venice, all of a sudden, in the water canal, something starts to bubble up. And out of nowhere, just like you and I in any day we would experience this, a water monster just blows out of the canal, right? You're like, man, he was on a European vacation and all of a sudden water monster destroyed it, right? Talk about unexpected, this water monster creates havoc, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this, like, new superhero flies in. Peter Parker standing there with his friends trying to get them out of the way and stuff, and then all of a sudden, this new superhero that we later uh, see a term, uh, he's called, his name is called Mysterio. They call him Mysterio. And he starts to fight this water monster, and Spider-Man kind of puts his webs to play, and he kind of fights against it. The water monster gets destroyed. And Peter Parker's like, man, that was a quite an interruption to my vacation, right? But it's okay. We got the water monster figured out. We're going to keep going with the plan to make sure I share my feelings with MJ until he gets back to his hotel. And when he gets back to his hotel, he is telling his friend, everything's going to be all right. We're going to forget the water monster thing happened. And we're going to keep moving into the plan until the infamous Nick Fury shows up, who is the leader of the Marvel crew, and he wants to have a word with young Spider-Man. Take a look at this scene.
1: What are you gonna do about the water monster? Nothing, it's dead. And besides, that mysterious guy's all over it. Look, I just wanna spend some time with MJ. We were talking about Paris, and I think she really likes me.
0: That's nice. It reminds me when Betty and I first fell in love. I had
1: just finished my fruit cobbler, right? You're a very difficult person to contact, Spider-Man. You're Nick Fury. you just shot Ned. Just a mild tranquilizer. He'll be all right. So good to finally meet you. I saw you at the funeral, but I didn't think that was a good time to exchange numbers. No, that would have been really inappropriate. That's what I just said. Right. The important thing is, you're here. I tried to bring you here, you avoided me, and now you're here. What a coincidence. Wait,
0: was this a coincidence?
1: I used to know everything. Then i come back five years later, and now I know nothing. No intel, no team, and a high school kid is dodging my calls. Here's what I do know. A week ago, a village in Mexico was wiped out by a cyclone. Witnesses say that cyclone had a face. Three days later, a similar event in Morocco. A village was...
0: Just making the rounds, see if anyone needs any emotional counseling after today's traumatic events.
1: No, we'll be okay, we'll, we're all fine, thank you. Great, because I'm, I'm not qualified to actually... I'm not really qualified to do it anyway, so good night. Where's my teacher? Sorry about that. You were saying? A village was destroyed by what may well be another world-threatening... Hey, you him. still awake. You're not answering any of my texts. Um, he's asleep, Betty. Oh, already? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. That's why it's imperative. Hey, boys. so that canal water today was filled with dangerous bacteria. Another person touches that door, you and I are going to attend another funeral. What are you going to... Samuel L. Jackson
0: is a boss, right? (laughs) That's just what we learned inside of that scene, right? But Spider-Man, Peter Parker, wasn't expecting him to be sitting there in the corner awaiting his arrival, right? Mr. Nick Fury wanted to get a hold of him to invite him into fighting against these monsters that were showing up around the world. And here's what's interesting, I think God invites us into his story in unexpected ways, too. Actually, I think there's a great story in Scripture that pops off the page that gives us an example of how God interacts in the unexpected. There's a guy in uh, the Bible, in particular in the book of Acts, by the name of Saul. He was named Saul, and then he went to Paul, but where we're going to start, his name is Saul. And Saul is a religious leader. He's a part of the Pharisee sect. And he led inside of that setting for many, many years. And when Jesus and his followers kind of dispersed, Jesus went up to heaven and his followers dispersed across the area. Paul, or Saul, was one of the guys that was after them. He hated followers of the way of Jesus didn't agree with, didn't want to be a part of, and didn't want the movement to continue. And so literally Saul, you see in the first several chapters of Acts, is hunting followers of Jesus and putting them to death. Saul is on his way to Damascus. He has some letters he wants to deliver, and he is going after the early church. And on the road to Damascus, something Miraculous happens. Unexpected happens. Let's read it. Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Talk about unexpected in more ways than one. Paul, or Saul in in this point in his life, right? It's probably unexpected that he would have had the interaction with Jesus the road to Damascus. He wasn't thinking that. He wasn't planning for that. He wasn't anticipating that. But even more so, what's shocking, is that Jesus would want to interact with him. Just think about it. If you're a follower of Christ in here, think about what this guy was doing. This guy was, this guy was numero uno enemy of anybody following Jesus. Why would Jesus want to interact with him? And that's what I believe makes the gospel so unexpected. The good news of Jesus is shocking, unexpected, radical in so many ways. And this story plays that out. The fact that Jesus would come into this man's life who was an enemy and make him a friend is shocking. The gospel is unexpected at the heart of it all. The reality is this. We are all sinners. And because we are sinners, we're separated from God. Whether you would identify yourself as a sinner like Saul at one point in your life, maybe. You're like, I was against this whole thing. Or not. We are all sinners at the heart level in need of a savior. And Paul, later in a letter to a young pastor named Timothy, writes this, 1 Timothy 1. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal Immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The gospel is unexpected for so many reasons, but first it's unexpected because we are sinners. Just think about it. It's unexpected that a sinner, someone who is separated from God, who is running the opposite direction from God, would get a chance to have life with God it should shock us and humble us that there is an opportunity to run into God and have a relationship with Him. Because at our hearts, we are naturally bent towards selfish desire and self-gain. And we try so hard out of that to become our own God instead of trusting in the one true God. And as a sinner, we are all in need of a Savior. Yet, in an ironic twist, and maybe not so ironic, the one who is being sinned against is the only one who can save us. Because that's the second thing. The gospel is unexpected, because he is the Savior. The God of the universe, who created everything that you and I see, experience. the fact that we can breathe in and breathe out and have life, The God who created the immense amount of animals and wildlife. The God who created male and female and created relationship between them. The God who has always been and will always be decided to enter into his creation. Not in some kingly manner. Not in some world famous manner. Not in some way that the the public would have known him by. But rather, he came in a manger, born to a carpenter, lived a life anonymously for about 30 years in a small town of Nazareth that many people would have laughed at, and started to invite men and women to follow him as he walked around the cross, ultimately leading to his death on the cross and then his resurrection three days later. The gospel is unexpected because the eternal, immortal, invisible creator, God and King, came into the world to save us, living the life that you and I could not live, dying the death that we deserved, and being rose again so that we could have life. The one who was being sinned against decided to step into the mess to save us because we could not save ourselves. Talk about unexpected. Sometimes I think I take the gospel for granted. Of course, of course I deserve to be saved. Pretty decent guy. Or maybe for some of us, we just take it for granted because it's just an option out there. But when you get to the heart of what is happening We did not deserve any of it, and yet the love and mercy and goodness and holiness and love of our God decided to run into our world to save us. And then how does he invite us in? He says, just say yes to Jesus. The gospel is unexpected because all it requires is for us to say yes to the Savior of the world. It's unexpected because it doesn't require any good efforts or good works or my resume. It all lands on Jesus. He says, all that you have to do, and in and of itself, it's hard for us to get to this point, trust me. But all you have to do is stop running this way, turn this way, believe that Jesus is the only way, and start following him every day. That's what I'm offering you. For some of us, for some of us, we maybe have never experienced the gospel like that before. Maybe the gospel's always been tied to doing good works or coming to church. Or maybe you have sat in the seat over here where you believe, I'm not good enough and I couldn't measure up. The gospel is unexpected because Jesus, the Son of God, decided to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He's inviting you to say yes to him in that. Look, what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 here, Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the worst. Is he ranking himself? I don't think so. I think what he's saying is we all are the worst because we're all in that camp. And yet... Jesus crashed into our world to give us grace and mercy. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, maybe today is the unexpected day where you say yes to Jesus, not church and doing better and doing good and putting on that kind of clothing or putting on to yourself, well, I'm not good enough, I haven't done enough. What would it look like for you to say yes to the one who has done for you what you could not do for yourself and follow him? Because in following him, you'll be able to navigate the unexpected that is to come. When it's only you, you'll see very quickly you cannot save yourself. That's where Jesus starts now. So we go back to the movie, okay? I have to skip a lot of I'll, you just go watch the movie. It'll make more sense, okay? <laughs> but in the movie, what ends up happening is the elemental force into working with Mysterio, this new superhero, to defeat the elemental forces, okay? And as they are defeating the elemental forces, right, they, they defeat the next one, and Spider-Man grows a trust for this new guy, So much so that he gives him some power, he gives him recognition, and Spider-Man thinks he can get back to his vacation. What we find out is Mysterio isn't really a good guy. He's a bad guy. He's not doing the right things for the right reasons. He's actually creating this whole scene with projectors and drones to make everybody believe that he is good and he's fighting off the bad guys and saving the world just so everybody can clap for him and he can gain power through it. And Peter realizes this after Mysterio kind of like messes with him, pushes him away, sends him somewhere else. And Spider-Man's like, oh, no, my friends are in danger. The world is in danger. What do I do now? Take a look at this scene and we'll get rolling.
1: Okay, hold still, there we go. Ouch. I thought you had super strength. It still hurts. <sighs> Happy, I'm right, relaxed.
0: Just a few more, there we go.
1: Oh my God, Happy. Relax. Don't tell him to relax, Happy! How can I relax when I messed up so bad? I trusted Beck, right? I thought he was my friend, so I gave him the only thing that Mr. Stark left behind for me, and now he's gonna kill my
0: friends in half of Europe. So please, do not tell me to relax.
1: I'm sorry, Happy. I'm sorry I should shout. I just really miss him. Yeah, I miss him too. Everywhere I go, I see his face and the whole world is asking who's gonna be the next Iron Man. I don't don't know if that's me happy. I'm not Iron Man. You're not Iron Man. You're never gonna be Iron Man. Nobody could live up to Tony, not even Tony. Tony was my best friend and he was a mess. He second-guessed everything he did. He was all over the place. The one thing that he did that he didn't second-guess was picking you. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were gonna be here after he was gone. Your friends are in trouble. You're all alone. Your tech is missing. What are you gonna do about it?
0: Okay. So in that scene, right, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, is falling apart. Everything is going opposite of what was supposed to happen. When you say yes to Jesus, I think sometimes we can be in the same seat as Peter Parker. Well, I said yes to Jesus, why isn't it going the way I thought it was going to go? Well, I said yes to Jesus, isn't it supposed to play out this way? Here's the reality and what we're going to talk about in planning for the unexpected. Is that when you say yes to Jesus, yes, there's some super hero, super power, awesome things that come with that. Doesn't eliminate the unexpected in your life. Yes, the God of the universe is living inside of you. Doesn't mean that everything's going to perfectly work out. And I have been in times, and I know other people have been in times, and you're wondering, you're asking the anxiety, the worry, the sadness, maybe the anger is sitting there, like where do I go next, and what do I lean into, if I'm going to walk through this, how do you plan for the unexpected, well Paul, who was Saul, he tells us in Ephesians 6, how to plan for the unexpected, how to plan for the unexpected, inside of following Jesus, Ephesians 6, verse 10, famous passage here. Finally, now he says that because if you read Ephesians 1 through 5, you'll see the gospel play out. You'll see he he calls us children of God if we've said yes to Jesus. He plays all of this letter out, and then he ends with this, which I think is fascinating. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. First is this. If you're going to plan anything, plan first and foremost to be strengthened by Jesus, not by yourself. I think what Paul is writing here is really interesting Because oftentimes when I walk through life, in particular when the unexpected comes, my first gut reaction is control or muster up or get through it in and of myself. Life doesn't go the way that I want it to go. I got to figure out another route to make sure it goes the way that I want it to go. And what Paul is saying is this. That inside of life, in particular, when you're walking through the spiritual battles of life, when you're walking through the unexpected of life, it is not a matter of your own power. it's a matter of Jesus' power which lives inside of you. But the reality is this: the might that G, or that Paul talks about, if you've said yes to Jesus, lives inside of you, through the Spirit. That as you walk and follow Jesus and invite his spirit to lead you, you will experience his strength in you as you go. It's not like just sitting in a chair and saying, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus, get me out of the chair, right? And it's not just relying on your own power. It is as you walk throughout life, inviting the strength of Jesus to lead you, to give you the power to walk through each day. What we're going to see is this. we got one more scene, and I'll be honest. I chose this scene partly because it, it makes sense to where I'm going, but it's also just a really cool scene, okay? <laughs> this scene, in this scene, what we're going to see is this, okay? Spider-Man comes back, right? You, you saw Happy there. He said, what are you going to do about it? And the reality is this. When you're faced with the unexpected, that is what life's question begs. What are you going to do about it? And the reality is this, we can either cower in fear or we can try to control it on our own. But what if, just what if, what Paul is walking through in Ephesians 6 with us is the step in how we are going to do this? How are we going to deal with this? What we're going to see in this next scene is the last kind of battle scene between Spider-Man and Mysterio, okay? And what you're going to see is not only Spider-Man's superpowers kick in, but you're also going to see he has a very distinct uh, distinct um, way of going about it, and it gives us just a visual of what it means to run into the unexpected. So take a look at this scene.
1: Your lies are over, Beck. Uh, this certainly isn't ideal. Just give me the glasses. You want these? Come and get him Come on Peter Tink. Why aren't these drones firing? You're in the strike zone. The chance of getting I'll hit is... fire
0: all the
1: drones now! to me. And I trusted you. I know. That's the most disappointing part.
0: What well, we see there is this. In that scene, Spider-Man taps into his superpower. his Spidey senses, right? It's just an epic scene as I was watching it. I'm like, oh. But here's the reality. Here's the reality. Not to make this too to, uh, I don't know, I don't want to make it too surface level, but I believe the spirit inside of us allows for some of the same things when it comes to fighting against the spiritual darknesses of this world. That you and I may not have spidey senses, but we do have the living spirit of God living in us. I think all too often we forget that and try to just pull from our own resources when we invite the Spirit and His might and His strength as we walk into the darkness it can feel like at times where we don't know what's going on, we're not sure what's taking place and the lies and the deception and what is isn't really. You and I are not going to survive in and of our own power, but only through Him. That's why Paul says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and His might." Because you and I, in and of ourselves, cannot go anywhere with it. But here's what's interesting. The second thing to plan for is to stand against Satan. Because here's the reality. Inside of that scene, what you see is Spider-Man fighting against Mysterio. But Mysterio's game plan was deception and lies. That was his game plan the entire time. You saw in that last scene, the the drones, they went dark, right? All of a sudden, it's a tunnel of just darkness, and you couldn't see anything. And the reality is this, in the unexpected, inside of life, which is unexpected, what Satan is going to want to do is he is going to want to feed you lies and deceptions about who you are, what is, and how to live out of that. That's why Paul says we are not, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's, It's against the rulers, authorities, and the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil. I think all too often we get distracted by things that aren't really what we're fighting. Whether it's in social media, politics, governments, whatever it may be. We get distracted. We're but in reality, the lies and deception of the evil one are very real and very upon us. What we see inside of this scene is Spider-Man had to build the right armor, the right suit, to fight against him. You and I need the right suit to fight against the evil one. We see Paul writes that, we're not going to read the whole passage, but further on in Ephesians 6, he talks about the spiritual armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. If you want to protect yourself against the flaming arrows of the evil one, Paul says, right, the, the, the bullets of the drones in Spider-Man, right, you have to put on the right armor. And here's what's interesting about the armor of God. It is not something you and I come to the table with. It's something he came to the table with and gives us. The power of the armor is not in the reality that I put it on every morning in and of myself. It's the reality that Jesus at the cross and through the resu- resurrection bought it for me to wear. And inside of wearing it, it protects me against the flaming arrows, the lies and deceptions of the evil one. It's the truth to tell me who I am. It's the righteousness that comes by faith by saying yes in Jesus. It was peace that was achieved on the cross. Faith to go where God is leading because he's leading me. Salvation won by Jesus, and the sword is God's word in my life. The reality is this. Putting on the armor is putting our trust and belief in who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and living out of that. Because the lies and the deception of Satan are going to try to tell us otherwise. You can plan for it. You can plan for that. As the worship team comes up, the last one is this. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. Paul continues. This is how he ends. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is what I would say. Lastly, plan to share in the Spirit. Plan to share in the spirits through prayer. Now, I'm not going to go in detail here because next week we're going to start a series called Teach Us to Pray. I'll go in detail there as that sounds, but what I am sure of is this, that inside of the battle of the unexpected, inside of the the evil spiritual forces that surround us, the one we have to be in unity with all of the time is the Spirit, and He offers that to us through conversation and encounter in prayer. Paul says, pray for me, and pray for me. On all occasions, all kind of prayers, requests, plan to pray. The Spirit is always with you. The Spirit is always fighting for you. The Spirit is always there comforting you. The Spirit is there to lead you. We're not alone. It isn't really like what Spider-Man did. He was alone, where not he? The Spirit is promised to go with us. And so, if there's nothing else we can plan, which just kills me inside when my calendar looks so neat and awesome. But if there's nothing else that we can plan, there is the reality that we can plan to lean into Jesus every day, every moment of our life. Trusting in His power, putting on the armor of God, and sharing in the Spirit's And that plan will walk you through the expected and unexpected. The moments of hardship, the moments of celebration, the moments where you're called to something you didn't believe you were called to, the moments that don't quite make sense. My hope is this, is that in the unexpected, we don't run inside, but we run to the God who is greater. The God who is run into us in the midst of the unexpected, the God who is leading us in that. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for the unexpected. We thank you for your love in that, your grace in that. We thank you for taking care of us in that. And Father, whatever the unexpected is in this room, whether someone's walking through it, have just gotten through it, or about to enter it, Father, would you encourage their hearts at a superhero level to trust in you. That, Father, it is not about how I can do it in and of myself, but how I can trust you in the process of walking this life. Thank you for entering in and inviting us into the unexpected following after you. And Father, would you lead us this week? And would you slow us down to embrace the unexpected for the sake of Jesus being shared with others? Father, we're grateful for you. Pray that you would just lead inside of this conversation. Praise your name.